Welcome to the Before Midnight Podcast, brought to you from the N Plus One Studios overlooking beautiful downtown Frankfurt. I'm your host, Brian Schenkefelder. My co-host, Linda Word, could not make it again. we have having some scheduling conflicts, so you're stuck with me. This is the Before Midnight Podcast, a podcast that covers the world of swimming, biking, and running. If it has to do with any of those events, we're there, we're covering it, we're having some fun with it. Today's episode, we're going to uh, take a look at Triathlon Magazine, one of their articles, and, and have a little fun with it. There's some good stuff in it, but there's also some stuff that we can kind of uh, laugh at or at least make light of. It's tough to be a publisher and have to come up with content, so I get it. But it does make for some fun content on on our part. In this last week, um, it's been kind of crazy. Every weekend is just packed. We had three games last weekend, a trip to, trip to Cincinnati for my niece's birthday. We did get a win from Alex's team. My Y team has still yet to win a game. We're getting better, but it's definitely <laughs> slightly higher than dumpster fire. But that's okay. We're um, we're getting better. It's we're, we're really working on the fundamentals now. I'm starting to introduce some some roles to the team. Hopefully, we start playing with a little bit better organization. The skills are there. Just have to play as a. I think we'll we'll do better on the second half of that. But it was fun that that Alex did win one of their games. Or they'd been on a couple game losing streak, so it's good for them to get their mojo back. Although in the process, Alex. Hurt his foot. I guess he got kicked on his instep. Uh, right foot. Bruised it. He was limping all over the place. Kind of sad. He <laughs> kind of gimp up and down uh, the field at times. He ended up playing goalie on it. That was okay. He did, he did good. It was fun. So now we're in the whole med situation where I'm not letting him run or not letting him play soccer. He has to rest his foot. Let's get it healed and then we can get back at it. We got another game this weekend. Fortunately, he doesn't have any select team games. We just have the Y game. He can play goalie and not have to run too much and not have to kick the ball too much. Hopefully allow that foot to finish healing up so get back to playing. Anyway, that, that's kind of my life. We hope to hear from Linda here. I'm sure she's got a lot of stories over the last couple of weeks. Her birthday has <laughs> passed in that time period, so we'll have to ask her about all of that in the coming week. But for now, today, again, another abridged edition. Just have me. I, I, w- I came across an article on Triathlete Magazine. The best beginner triathlon bike. And it had a few, three or four things, bullet points that you, you want to look at. And I wanted to kind of go through those bullet points and, and have some fun with this, with this article. The first thing they say is you need to get a bike fit before you buy a beginner tri-bike. I'm like, okay. I'm looking to buy a tri bike, you know, maybe a used one, an inexpensive one, and so I'm gonna first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go out and get a $200 bike fit for a five or six hundred dollar bike I'm gonna buy. <laughs> that really just doesn't sound like a great idea. <laughs> I, I get where they're coming from. You don't you want a bike that fits you. The problem is getting a bike fit is not the best way of going about doing that I think especially for someone who's beginning and doesn't necessarily have a ton of money to spend on it the problem you begin to run in with a bike fit is it'll give you very specific information about your bike fit the problem is even if I buy a new bike it's probably not going to be within those parameters now I'm going to have to change out a bunch of stuff to get it within those parameters of that bike fit because generally the bikes are not out of the box or going to fit within 
your parameters. Something's going to have to change. You're going to have to make the changes yourself. The people who set the bike up are going to have to make some changes for it. You may have to go back to the bike fitter to get them to make those changements for exactly what you want. You may have to switch out stems. You may have to do a lot of different things to get that bike fit for a bike that you like that, that sits within that range. Generally, what I would suggest people do, if, if you're new to the sport, rather than go out and try to spend a bunch of money to get some data that you really don't understand, you're better off going, okay, I'm, I'll use myself for this. I'm 5'11". I should go out and find someone else who's 5'10", 5'11", 6 foot. See what kind of bikes they ride, especially someone who's been in a sport for a real long time. If you can just, hey, heck, at a race, try to find some people your height, and then go check out their bikes. See what size their bike is get three or four data points on that. Now, if I know the, the model, the size of that model, I can now go to the website for it. Like I have a Fuji, I can go and go, hey, this is a Fuji 54 centimeter. What is the geometry for this Fuji bike? Well, now I can go, like I said, on their website, I can get that. The most important information as far as fitting your bike is the stack and reach. There's all kinds of geometry stuff, stand over height, lengths of the top tube, lengths of your stays, bottom bracket height, your your seat tube angle. There's a lot of information in the geometry of a bike. But the two most important for fit purposes are the stack and reach. That's how tall the bike is and how far out you have to reach. If you have other people that have bikes in the similar ballpark, you can probably roughly guess what your stack and reach is going to be. Is it going to be the exact as these other people you're looking at? No, but it's going to get you in the ballpark and get you a bike that's in the ballpark then if you have issues or you want to get a bike fit now i can kind of since the bike is within my range i can then bring it back get it to fit for me that's that's what i would do that's that's a much simpler mechanism than going out and spending a few hundred dollars on a, on a bike fit just find people your size riding bikes or go to the bike shop ask them what people your size are riding they'll probably have a good idea then you can go out and look at geometries, look at the stack and reach, try to figure out what your range is. Then you can go look for bikes that are in that stack and height range. Now I can go, oh, if I want a specialized, I want a specialized, or maybe a Cervelo. I, I want one of the P5 Cervelos. Now I can go and go, okay, here's the stack, here's the reach. This is the size Cervelo I need if I'm going to race on this bike. And then I can go ahead and buy it, and then we can make any types of changes that are necessary to make it fit perfectly. So that one was kind of one of the ones that I thought was, I get where they're coming from. You need to have a bike that fits you. At the same time, you don't need to spend hundreds of dollars to find that bike. Now, the second question to ask is, should you have a road or tri bike? This, to me, is a fantastic question. The road bike is going to be a lot more flexible sizing. You can move it around. It's easier to set up. The tri bikes tend to be much more challenging to make adjustments to because so much is integrated. They're trying to hide cables. All these things make for a more difficult bike to. They also make the point in the magazine that every triathlete should have a road bike before a tri bike. And, and that is something I agree with. If I'm new to the sport, I'm better off buying a road bike and throwing some bar ends on them. That way I have a road bike. If I don't like triathlon, hey, the road bike is a nice bike. I can go out and ride in groups, everything else. If I'm riding in groups, I want to take the road bike instead of a TT bike anyway. They're a heck of a lot safer for group rides. The advantages you get from a TT bike on time savings, especially at the beginning, are not going to be significant enough to make up for your newness in the sport. And it's a good bike to, to have. 
The tri bike should definitely be the second bike you own. And when you're ready to get one, you know, that's, I guess that's kind of the point of this article. Hey, okay, I've, I've got a bike. It's not my first one. What, now I really want to get a full tri bike. Shifters on the end, more of a traditional time trial bike. The next question to ask is aluminum or carbon. Most of your TT bikes nowadays are going to be carbon. I don't even know if they bother with too many aluminum versions of them anymore. It's always, a, it's just easier to buy carbon. The price point between carbon aluminum is generally not great enough and the people who are buying tt bikes have a little don't really see a lot of aluminum. at the end of the day for three or four hundred bucks you're better off getting the carbon biking this next point they make is it should be a bike that's easily adjustable some bikes are better than that than others uh man it really depends on the bike how much integrated stuff they have how much you have kind of unique things for a bike i know like the fuji tt bike had a very unique stem it's not like you could easily swap it out for something else it was very specific to their bike the adjustments in that type of scenario are not always fantastic and you know that's just the way it is that's it's nice to have something that's adjustable but at the same time you're, you're looking at one or two bikes because of a availability i have one or two bike stores here <laughs> they carry what brands so i am limited on what brands i can generally buy I guess you could potentially buy them online, but that becomes more of a, a crapshoot as you've not seen them at all. The next thing they talk about is components. One of the things that companies do for price, and they kind of make a good point of this, is the group sets don't always match. They do this for to get that price point down. Oh, this is a 105 group set. It, okay, so it's 105 shifters, it's a 105 rear derailleur, but you know that front derailleur, eh, that might just be more of a much lower tier shifting derailleur or a generic shifting derailleur because most people when they're looking at the group set they're looking at the back they're looking at the shifters up front they don't always look at that middle one and sometimes they'll even mix group sets so they'll say oh i have an ultegra set well it's ultegra again the rear shifter is an ultegra but the front shifter might be a 105 that is not unusual and the same thing happens as SRAM. you might have a force group set that has some rival components so when you're looking you know kind of make sure that hey it's a good group set. The group set is complete. If it's not complete, is it a reasonable downshift? Like if I'm running Ultegra and I have a 105 front shifter, that's a reasonable downgrade. It's not like it's the generic shifter they put on your local Walmart bike. That's when you might want to have some <laughs> concern on, hey, what is this front derailleur? Another thing they talk about is disc brakes. New bikes should be disc brakes. To some extent, I, I get where they're coming from. Almost all the new bikes have kind of gone that way. At the same time, if I am someone who is a new triathlete, you might be able to find used bikes as people move to disc brakes that are rim brake. That also means you can probably find wheels that are rim brake that are discounted. It, it can become a much cheaper option to go down the rim brake line. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about time trial bikes. <laughs> a time trial bike is not something you're going to brake on a lot. At least I am not one who breaks on it. I, if I go out and ride my TT bike, I break three or four times in the entire ride. Usually there's like maybe a bottom of the hill stop sign or I'm coming to stop to take a break or I'm coming to stop because my ride is over. That's really the only time you stop on a bike. If you're in an urban area where there's a lot of stop signs and you're braking all the time, okay, the, the, the disc brake might be a better option in those environments. But for the most part, you're going out riding for extended periods of time. You're not braking. The disc brakes do provide 
quite a bit of an advantage as far as braking on a T-bike. One of the problems with T-bikes are the brakes tend to be pretty weak because they have to hide them to get that aerodynamic profile, and, the, and they can be pretty where your disc brakes tend to be fluid brakes, therefore you don't need as much pressure to get a braking system, kind of like what you have on mountain bike. Anytime you have that fluid disc brake, you're, you're, you're going to get much better braking. The question is, is, do you really need that much braking for the price? Because once we start talking about new TT bikes, once again, we're at that $2,000 range. If I'm looking for something used, there's probably not going to be a lot of disc brake. But I get where they're coming. If you're buying a new bike, yeah, it probably should be. Especially if you don't have any. If I'm buying and I have all these nice carbon wheels already, if you buy a disc brake bike, you're going to have to throw those wheels away. They just don't work. There's a couple reasons. One, I can't just take the hub out of these really nice wheel sets and replace them because the number of spokes change from a rim brake to a disc brake. Because a disc brake puts so much force on the hub, you have to have more spokes. A traditional rim brake bike would have maybe 16 spokes up front, 20 spokes in the back. You start talking about disc brakes, you're going to have 20 up front, 24 in the back. If I change out the hubs, I can't have a 16-spoke front hub disc brake. It's just not going to work very well. Therefore, you're pretty much going to have to get rid of your old wheel sets, which is unfortunate. It's a reality of moving to disc brakes. Just something to really think about, that if I'm buying a disc brake TT bike, I'm going to have to buy new wheels. There's not going to be a lot of use in the market for at least not. Give it four or five years. It'll probably change. As of right now, there's, there's not going to be. The last thing they talk about is do not test ride unless it fits you. <laughs> I, I, I see what they're coming from in this in that if I just take a bike off the shelf and I ride it and it's really not set up for me, it may feel like a bike that doesn't work for me. It just doesn't feel good. It's either too long, it's too short, whatever it might be. I feel cramped on it, I feel spread out, and maybe I give the bike a bad review because it's just not set for me. At the end of the day, there's only so many bike types. You're not going to have wildly differing geometries when we talk about road bikes and TT bikes. They all are, are pretty simple. The only time you have any differences in road is when you have your endurance road versus your more racing road. The more racing road is going to be a lot closer to the TT setups. The endurance roads are a little a lot different because they're meant for comfort and not necessarily racing. But even so, within those categories, there's not a lot of geometry differences between these bikes. There's some subtle things that if you're an experienced rider that's been riding for years, you can probably tell some of the differences in these geometry changes. But for 99% of the people out there, you're not going to tell. The, the key is, is just finding a bike that you like, making sure it's within your fit range, and then buy it. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. At the end of the day, there's not, there's just not that much of a difference. More of a, what aesthetics do you like in a bike? Is it in my range? Can I get it to fit me? If I can, then hey, you buy it, you ride it, you're probably going to like it. Most of these bikes nowadays are just so nice. <laughs> they just really are. There's just not that big of a difference. Okay, so what I always found interesting about this article, then they list the bikes for the someone buying their first tri bike the, the the kind of the new guy who wants to buy a tri bike and like the first one's like the $1600 kind of older bike and then they immediately go to like 2500 3000 plus for a bike i you know the reality of it is is about 2 grand is about going to be your entry level for a TT bike so i get it you can't have any cheap bikes it's just kind of funny that you have this $3500 these $3500 bikes is kind of your 
entry-level TT bikes. Just shows you how expensive this sport can be at times. Again, it's just kind of one of those things. Biking isn't it. It's a sport where you build over time. There's no reason to go out and buy a $4,000 to get started. You're better off buying, if you're new to it, a five or $600 bike, especially a nice used road bike. Go out and ride it for a while. If you like it, maybe race once or twice if you like racing. Now look at TT bikes. Used TT bikes are kind of a crapshoot. Triathletes are generally not very good in bikes, which means they you could get one that's pretty run down and may need some significant repairs in the near future of the bike, like the chain's wasted. You may need new chain rings or cassette if it's not maintained properly. You can do quite a bit of damage to a bike that's ridden thousands and thousands of miles without maintenance. But you can get a used bike. You could try that just to see if you like the TT bikes. Then I would suggest getting a new one, something that you can call your own and maintain it from the beginning, especially if you're one who's fastidious about maintaining it, such as myself. I, I like to have a new bike because then I can make sure it's maintained the whole life. It's kind of like cars. I mean, that's the reason you buy a new car over used cars. I know the history of that. And that's really kind of where where I am with bikes. As far as like brands and stuff like that, really whatever brand you can find at a price is gonna be your best bet. You don't have to have a Trek. You don't have to have Specialized. You don't have to have whatever the most expensive bike is out there. Most all the brands are very similar. Again, these road bikes, these TT bikes, there's just not that much of a difference between them and how they ride, mainly because they are all very similar in size. They all have very similar geometries. They're just not going to handle much. So find what you like, find a price point you can afford, and go from there. That's just kind of my thoughts on it. Like I said, it's just kind of an interesting article. It's kind of funny to go through it. And some of their advice is, is good. Some of their advice, interesting. Not necessarily the most cost-effective. But anyway, that's all I have on this episode. One last thought before I go, if you've made it this long into the podcast. I've been working on a, a book for some time now. Kind of a, a brain dump of my thoughts on triathlon as a coach. How to race the sport kind of how to attack the sport of triathlon. I'm looking for some people to kind of just read through it in the drafting stages. I've done a number of drafts of it, but it's still pretty raw. And get some feedback on is this something that is interesting? Is this something that is might be interesting to other athletes out there? I'll, I'll send out a few copies for people to kind of go over and read. It's a chance for feedback on what I've written. There's a lot there, but I, I need to <laughs> see if this is a project that I want to continue on or or just go ahead and abandon at this stage. So if you do know me and, and you'd like to kind of check it out, let me know. I'll uh, shoot you a copy and you can read it for me. I really appreciate it. Well, this brings us to the end of the podcast. Need a coach? You can contact us at 3sport and go3sports.com and have a great day if you want.